It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe you're listening on Sunday night, AM 1260 WBIX, the Business Buzz. Well, it's been a it's been a long week, it seems like to me. I don't know, but it's uh, a lot of stuff happened this week. But I wanted to talk with our buddy George Kennedy, NEMPA member, who is New England Motor Press Association. Just in case you don't know, but. Uh, uh, all around car guy who has, who joined us the past several years at the New England Motor Press Association MIT Technology Conference. And this year was a little bit interesting because it was lighter, stronger, faster in how some of the car companies are looking at just doing those things while still incorporating safety in their vehicles. George, good morning. Good morning, John Paul. Good morning to all your listeners. Uh, there's there's like three or four of them, so you can you can actually call them by name if you want. Uh, all right, listener one, listener two, listener three. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, George, uh, this year the MIT, you know, over the years we've always been um, sort of ahead of the curve. I, you know, it wasn't that many years ago, or or actually, I guess it was that many years ago. We were probably talking about autonomous vehicles before it became the flavor of the week, which seems to be what's going on these days. But we were way ahead of that. And this year we were, we were, I think, still ahead of the curve with vehicle lightweighting, which people are just starting to talk about. Absolutely. So this is the seventh year of the uh, NEPA MIT conference. And, and you're absolutely right. The, I think it was three, four years ago we talked. We were talking about autonomous vehicles, and there was a representative from, it was a lawyer from the automakers basically saying the sort of the realm of, you know, legality of what goes wrong when an autonomous vehicle crashes is going to be the biggest area of, of, you know, legal growth in the next 10, 20 years. And I found that to be very eye-opening. So, you know, that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg in terms of things that we're talking about and working with uh, at, at the, the conference. And this year, as you said, was stronger, faster, lighter. And, you know, automakers are doing more and more every year to, to make these vehicles lighter, uh, you know, not just for fuel efficiency purposes, but if you're a BMW, you know, that who have invested heavily in, in carbon fiber, you're doing it to help the dynamics of your vehicle as well. Um, you know, Colin Chapman, Lotus, you know, you, you see these awesome little sports cars around. His ethos was simplify and add lightness. And, you know, that's not always an easy thing for these car makers. No, especially when some of that lightness or some of that weight comes from, and we have a listener to the program who's well-versed in this, but he he's talking about how they're going to be uh, a, a new uh, electrical protocol, which is really going to really look at truly multiplexing everything in the vehicle and having it run through almost like a, a bus network like uh, businesses do and taking out something like 300 pounds of weight through just things wow. like that. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, and like you said, simplify and add lightness, but then you get in a car that does everything but makes French toast for you in the morning. 
<laughs> well, right. So last, I believe it was last year, the year before, the the theme of the conference was how do you rectify, you know, re, you know, heightened fuel economy standards at a time when you're also adding a lot of safety equipment, and that was a really cool thing to explore. Where you've got sensors for forward collision warning, lane departure warning, five mile an hour bumpers, twenty five mile an hour bumpers and bake that into a vehicle that now has to get more fuel economy. So that was really cool to hear that. This was almost getting back to basics of we want to hear, you know, construction practices, production methods that are, you know, lowering the, the, the curb weight of these vehicles. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. The guy from uh, FCA from Chrysler, uh, he mm-hmm. he showed us some diagrams, and and it and it sounds pretty simple. It's like oh, we're going to take our cars and we're going to drill holes in parts, and we're going to make them lighter <laughs> that way. You know, it's like um, I probably could have thought of that without engineering school. But what was interesting? Yeah, what was interesting about it was they showed some uh, videos of areas that were turning red because of stress and I think blue that were not flexing at all and he said as much as you think you're looking at the red areas we're really looking at blue because that means we over engineered that and it doesn't have to be that strong we can we can make that thinner we can drill holes in it we can do, use different materials make it lighter still maintain the strength of the vehicle and take out weight where we over engineered it absolutely and if you look like aircraft design you know, if you were to take away the interior panels of, you know, your typical commuter plane, um, you'd see that certain areas, you know, all the, all the panels, all of the, 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 you know, the cross members, they have holes drilled in like every three inches that take up the whole cross member. And the idea is you're, you're absolutely right. Where they know it can take the load, they will, but where it's not, they will drill that right out. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was interesting and interesting. The, the guy from Chevrolet talking about the new, what was the new Equinox that's, I don't know, 800 pounds later? Right. That, that was actually one of the most interesting parts of the day was hearing the guy from GM talk about affixing steel components to aluminum panels. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're familiar with any of that, you'll know that if you try and weld aluminum, you're just going to poke a hole in it. So, so how are you? How are you trying to combine these? And he said that they've been investing heavily in like high strength, high grade adhesives. So basically gluing these panels together. Hmm. Glue. And I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. it's, an, it's an oversimplification, but these adhesives, I mean, they, they, you know, they fuse the two panels together. Right. No, it is, it is pretty fascinating because you look at that and, and the and I can't remember the number, but the weight savings it was sort of for every hundred pounds you save like one percent in fuel economy or something like that. So pretty amazing when you think about things, and a whole lot better. I I like these idea of new materials, um, new building uh, technology, rather than just go. You know that spare tire weighs sixty bucks. Let's take that out and throw it away. I, I right, weigh sixty pounds. You know, let's take that out and throw it away because. You know when you're when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you and you hit a cur- and you hit something in the road and you blow out the tire and the only thing you have in your trunk is an air compressor, that's not a good day. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, so so I mentioned BMW before they they invested about that must have been five years ago or more. They invested heavily in carbon fiber. They they even bought you know had something to do with a you know 
hydroelectric plant in uh, the Pacific Northwest for the sole purpose of powering this carbon fiber plant. And the idea was they the only way that you're going to get these exotic materials like carbon fiber down in price is to build a lot of it. Mm. And so for them to be on the bleeding edge of that, to, to lower the price through economies of scale, is one of the only ways that they know that they could bring that to market. So, and you see it now in their in their I line of cars, the I three and the I eight. They're using carbon composite uh, and carbon fiber in various areas. And I mean, the whole tub of the I three, and I believe the I eight too, is carbon composite. And it's really cool to see that. It's you know, it's, it's sort of it's seeing the physical manifestation of what we've just heard about, sort of rumored for years. Yeah, and the idea that they're doing it and making you know, not everybody, you know, the I3 is not for everybody appeal-wise and style-wise, but certainly the I8, I saw one going down the highway yesterday on the way home, and, you know, fits right in there with any other supercar as far as style-wise goes. Car. Yeah, and they're able to, and they're able to look at these really leading-edge technologies and, the i8's almost affordable. I mean, not for me, but you know, but it's almost a, as a as a as a supercar. It is um, it is pretty cool. It's fast. It handles well. It, it 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 turns heads everywhere it goes. And you know, park it park it next to uh, you know a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, and people are gonna people are gonna come over and take a look at it because it is a cool looking car. And so it's not the idea. Oh, we're gonna make something light and you know sort of sleek, but it's gonna you know it's gonna look like a doorstop. Right, and so I'm a big proponent of cars that aren't exceptionally fast but are still fun to drive, mm. like, you know, Mazda Miata, and this week I'm driving a Subaru BRZ. These are cars that don't have amazing straight-line speed, but they're incredibly fun from a, a dynamic standpoint. The i8 has a lot of that, you know, but it has the battery power to get it up to speed, but it's not, you know, Lamborghini V12 fast, but it's an incredibly fun dynamic car because it's so light. Hmm. If that thing just, I think it has like a three-cylinder turbo and electric power, yeah. and it will do everything that, that you ask out of, like, a Porsche, yep. you know? Yeah, no, and, so you know, it is always better to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And not saying the IA um, is slow, because it is, like you said, it does it does everything you ask it to do with a battery pack and a three-cylinder engine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think it's, it's 3,400 pounds, which is pretty impressive. And then it's 50 miles of range for battery only, mm. and, but it has 357 horsepower. Right. When you think that's not supercar level, you know, for, you know, horsepower output, but then you, you know, you think of that curb weight and you're like, no, it can, it can get the job done. Mm. Absolutely, and um, I, I also I also like one of the speakers too. the the guy The guy who's almost I don't want to say didn't fit in, but the guy from NanoSteel, the little Providence company that employs you know three or four dozen people, and they're an engineering company, but they work with all the big steel producers to make um, these these lightweight steel products. So it looks like steel, it acts like steel, but it weighs you know thirty percent less. Uh, pretty pretty cool concept. Oh, absolutely! I, you know, and what was cool is once again they're talking about, you know, finding the finding the strength where they need it and then extracting it where they don't. I think right. that was that was once again one of the one of the cool things. You know, you're hearing how that could potentially be applied, and, and I think that's one of the coolest things about the MIT conference is, you know, you've got the big boys from the automakers there, but then you've got some folks on the on the leading edge, mm. and. You'll, you'll, you'll see the eyebrows raised from the automakers every once in a while 
because these guys are on the bleeding edge. You're talking about stuff that, you know, things kind of move a little bit slow at, at an automaker. Right. You know, if, if you're at FCA, if you're, if you're at Chrysler, if you're at, if you're at GM, things kind of move slow. And, you know, the, your engineers are trying to push for, for certain things. But to hear, you know, a guy from, you know, it's their, their small outfit, our Providence, say, hey, we can do this with steel. And to see, you know, somebody from GM be like, wow, that's, the interesting thing is, it's, it's what kind of, what the whole conference is all about. Yeah, and, and it really, it was, and and I don't take any credit for this at all, but it worked out nicely together that we had two uh, automotive manufacturers, Chrysler and General Motors, and we had somebody from the steel industry, and then um, and David Panatori from uh, from Nano Steel, and it sort of was a nice blending together. And then when we threw the MIT guy at the end that kind of talked about the economics of all of it, it was actually kind of it, it sort of wrapped up kind of nicely. Absolutely, and uh, you know, once again, the the there was the MIT uh, survey mm. that talked about too. And the rub was, so it was from the Age Lab, which, you know, if, you're, if your listeners don't know, it sort of started as a, a study on the effects of aging drivers. But what they really found was that a lot of the same things were applying to distracted drivers. Mm. They, you know, the, you know, they, they learned a lot. So, so they started doing a lot of surveys. And one thing they found was that people either lost faith or never had faith in self-driving cars. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, that's a big shock for you and I. No, it, it, you know, it really isn't. But it was sort of interesting. The survey that was done last year, uh, yeah, there, there was that percentage. And then as it came to this year, and um, when I was talking to the folks from MIT, they said they got some, they got some really interesting interesting responses back. And, and I kind of joked, I kind of joked with them a little bit and said, uh, uh, you know, was anybody concerned about the robot up, uprising that all the uh, autonomous vehicles were going to, like, take over? And, <laughs> he and as crazy as that sounds, he they actually did get some responses back from people that said, you know, I don't know that I want to be in a car that can somehow you know fully you know take off take over by itself and not to the point that you know cars are going to become you know uh, you know living beings of things. But the idea yeah, that not they're sentient. yeah yeah not not yet but uh, but the idea yeah. that at some point that. People have a concern about that. I thought it was you know I always kind of put them in the category of the you know tinfoil hat wearing people. But on the <laughs> other but on the other hand, you know people do you know people that take took the MIT survey had a concern about it. Well, let me give you two examples where that totally you know holds water. One was um, must have been five years ago. I test drove the, the Mercedes GLK, mm-hmm. which was one of the early examples of the you know lane departure keeping system mm-hmm. where it can it can sense the road it can it can sense the lines of the road the sense you veering off it will not just warn you but almost immediately put steering inputs in to to bring you back onto the road right now these auto- automakers have gotten much better at that where it's very subtle like in the hyundai genesis or the genesis g90 or g80 you can almost barely tell it's doing it but back five years ago when the tech was new it was a jarring thing for it. Mm. Not only this, you know, I'm I'm veering to the side of the road. This was I was test driving in Virginia, veering to the side of the road because of the tractor in the middle of the road, and it wanted to pull me back in the middle of the road. Not compensating for the fact that there's a flipping John Deere tearing me down. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, you're uh, right. I, I was driving a Chrysler 300 a couple of months ago uh, on city streets doing, you know, 25 miles an hour. The car in front of me was taking a right at an intersection. It got about halfway through the intersection and stopped for whatever reason. I don't know if there was a pedestrian there or, you know, animal, whatever the case was. Well, you and I and every other driver would just, you know, veer slightly left, go back right, and, you know, go back down the road. around it, yeah. yeah. The Chrysler jammed on the brakes. Right. That's that's a problem that I've had with a lot of these cars is, I, I, you know, there, there needs to be a Bostonian or right. Boston driver setting for it, yeah. where your threshold for distance is a lot closer because you're weaving in and out of cars. And this thing is trying to avoid a, you know, a collision under very sterile conditions right. from whatever, whoever programmed it. And, you know, the other big thing, too, is, you know, I, I forget who when this came up, but, they, you know, they're trying to teach the, the car how to make decisions. So say you're on the road and, you know, one bus is trying to pass another and now you're staring down two buses. One bus is full of babies. One bus is full of puppies. What? What what bus does the car slam into? <laughs> you know. Well, I, it, it's fun, it's funny that uh, it, I, it wasn't it wasn't babies and puppies, but that right. that conversation came up. I was sitting with people from Volvo, and I think they used I, they may have used school bus full of nuns and school bus full of nurses or something. And I said, well, at that point, the car has to commit suicide. And, and, they, and, they, and, they both, the and they both looked at me and went, huh, didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, and who's going to buy a product that's going to drive itself off the road? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and you know, I remember I remember at the uh, self at, – at our conference where we talked about autonomous vehicles, um, one of the comments came up that was, well, you know what? These uh, autonomous vehicles got to kill a couple people because we got to get over the liability aspect of it. Right, absolutely. Yeah. That was, of, of you know, of all the years we've done the NEPA MIT conference, I think the most informative one to me, the most telling for the roadmap for the next decade or two of the automotive landscape was that lawyer from the automakers yeah. talking about whose liability is it? Is it the automaker? Is it the guy who wrote the code? Is it the the, the tier one supplier who provided the sensors and in the, in the radar, mm. you know, is it the guy, is it the guy who painted the lines in the road? Uh, you know, and of course they would love for it to be the, the operator, yeah. but you're taking the operator out of it. That's it was, right. It was so, it was so simple for so long. It was just the operator's fault and nobody else's. Mm. And then in states like Massachusetts where there's, you know, no fault insurance, it's both of the operators. Right. Well, guess what? Now it's, now it's neither of the operators. Right. Whose fault is it? Yeah, no, it it is. Uh, we we have unearthed some interesting things at our at our um, New England Motor Press conferences. Certainly, that's the case. Right, absolutely. It, now, just to, to get a little off topic, one thing I have to ask you about is an article you did recently on synthetic versus conventional oil. Yes. Um, I just did the oil on my seventeen-year-old Jeep, and I put synthetic in it for the first time. So is is my car going to be all right? <laughs> it's 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 going to explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to you might want to sell it now. No, no nothing <laughs> nothing is going to happen. What's going? The only thing that could happen if you were less than stellar with your maintenance, 
Um, uh-huh. And the only thing keeping your 17-year-old Jeep from leaking oil is sludge in the oil pan, uh, <laughs> which is which is possible. Um, right. Synthetic oil is a very good cleaner. So what it will do is it will okay. start to wash away some of that sludge. And by doing oh, wow. that, by doing that, you know, some people say, oh, if you put synthetic oil in an old car, it's going to cause leaks. No, it isn't. What it may do, though, is wash away the sludge that's actually preventing the leaks from the beginning. Uh, but if you're, but if you change your oil every three, four, five thousand miles on a regular basis, use a decent filter, putting synthetic oil is just going to benefit the car because, um, it has better cold weather pumpability so it lubricates quicker when the engine's cold it's more resistant okay. more resistant to contamination if you actually measured the speed at which the engine cranked over with regular oil on a cold day versus the speed at which the engine cranked over with synthetic oil on a cold day you'll find it actually cranks over a little bit faster with synthetic oil because the lubri- the lubrication properties are that much better so um, we did this test with, I think, five different weight and grades of synthetic oil versus the same manufacturer's conventional oil and found that in every case there was less contamination of the oil, less uh, uh, buildup of contaminants on metal parts, more resistance to heat. Um, and again, and like I said, better, better pumpability when it was cold and synthetic oil tends to cling a little bit better. So, uh, it also has the ability to, uh, just kind of stick to things and somebody, ex- and, and not all synthetic oil is, is equal. Some synthetic oil is truly synthetic and some is just made out of base stock that is specially formulated to meet the same criteria as full, syn- full synthetic oil. And these aren't blends. These are truly past the rules for synthetic. So it all sort of, it all sort of works, works together the same way. So some people say, well, Mobile One's not really synthetic because it wasn't made in a laboratory. It was made out of, it was made out of base stock. No, it's most, most synthetic oil now is actually made out of, you know, dinosaur parts and stuff. So, um, but, but someone, a, a listener, to this program years and years ago explained to me, he said, here's the difference between synthetic oil and conventional oil in a nutshell. Go to a pool table, throw a basketball, a baseball, a soccer ball, a football, uh, and some pool balls on the table, and then take a piece of plywood, cover all those balls, and try to roll the piece of plywood back and forth. That's conventional oil. Now take eight pool balls, put them on the table, put that same piece of plywood on top of it. It'll roll back and forth nice and easy because all the molecules are the same size, which is why wow, it pumps okay. better, it flows better, and it works better. Is it, all right, so, you know, you and I both drive press cars, and so which means maybe our our, our home vehicles, you know, sit for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my Jeep will sit for weeks at a time, if not longer, you know, does it help with cranking after that sort of sitting? Yeah, because what happens is, like like it would on a cold day, it pumps up that much quicker and lubricates parts that now, you know, the, your car sat for a couple of weeks, so all the oil is drained out of the engine. You know, it's almost like you just changed the oil. There's no oil in the filter. There's, you know, and that's when startup, startup, is where engine damage happens most often and the quickest. So the quicker you can get oil to the places that require lubrication, the better the engine's going to be. So, uh, and that's what synthetic oil is really good at. All right. So you just said something really important about startup being one of the, you know, most you know violent times for mm-hmm. an engine, right? Yep. 
So right now, a lot of the cars that we're driving have the auto stop start. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, the, the Buick LaCrosse, you can't defeat it. It is locked in every time. We, I, I'm worried that over the course of like the next 15, 20 years, that's going to hurt the life of those vehicles. Yeah, that's, you know, with those, because they, they're stopping for, you know, seconds at a time, minutes at a time, it's, it, it's not going to, it's not going to be quite the same issue, but certainly what it is going to do, it's going to affect battery life, starter life, and maybe to some extent some engine wear issues. So it's, and, and you and I both know because of the cars we drive, some cars auto start and stop seamlessly and others and BMW is one of them BMW feels like you're trying to you're trying to start a standard shift car with the clutch out <laughs> it's a while yeah I've, I've noticed that the the Germans have the hardest time Porsche for a long time was a really perky jerky start hmm. now you know it's a combination of that plus the early PDK uh the direct shift transmission like that the, that dual clutch transmission was was pretty you know, it wasn't seamless. Yeah. So that combination made it a very, you're driving around in a parking lot. It, it's pretty, pretty herky jerky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the Buick, on the other hand, the, the LaCrosse, which I drove like, a couple weeks ago, it was pretty seamless, which made me not frustrated and not hate the system. Yeah. But I bet you were still looking for the off button. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I spent a half a day looking for it <laughs> yeah. until I found that they didn't have one. They didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just bought we just bought a couple of Chevy Cruises at work to for driving school vehicles where we had we had Ford Focuses before that and the Cruise is a little nicer because it's a little more comfortable and all yeah. the driving instructors hate it because they don't the the kids don't know what to do when they pull up to a pull up to a stop and the car shuts off and even the when yeah. they go out on road tests with the with the DMV RMV people they're a little like huh can you shut this off and we're like you, you just can't. Yeah, I don't like that it's not defeatable. It's, it's, like we were just talking about, it's starting and stopping, and, you know, yes, fine, it's only been sitting for a couple seconds, so, you know, there's not the, the problem of, like, getting oil back up to the engine, but starting and stopping a vehicle is the most violent time for, for that engine. So I, that's, I think that's one of these things that, you know, we're not thinking about now. We're You know, we're thinking about fuel economy mm-hmm. fuel economy and nothing but, but it might rear its ugly head 15, 20 years yeah. down the road, if not less. Yeah, and you kind of wonder at some point, you know, as vehicles are, you know, you're you're one of the people that, you know, skews the average for how old your car is. But the average car on the road has never has never been as old as it is now. It's almost 12 years old. It's like 11.8 months old or something. And, right. and you look at that, and it's because of, you know, they're, they're the people that keep cars three years, and the people that keep cars, you know, one, one of them. You know, the car I'm actually driving today is my 10-year-old Hyundai. Um, you know, so I'm I'm right there with with everybody else that's keeping their cars longer. But you have to wonder, are people going to have 16-year-old Jeeps when they buy a 2026 model? And is it really going to last till 2040? Well, you're absolutely right. So, you know, the, the average age has been going up, but at the same average age of length of ownership of the vehicle has been going up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that might start to go down because lease ownership is going through the roof. It's, you know, the amount of leases that are going on right now is crazy. And, you know, I did a whole study, you know, a couple of years back for Consumer Reports on how leasing in many ways is much more affordable than ownership. So you could, and it's all about residual value. So if the the dealer knows that they're going to be able to sell a certified pre-owned three series, 
they're going to give you an incredible deal on it, and they're going to give you zero-cost maintenance because they want that car back as a cherry yep. to sell that in three years. Yeah. So they're, they're going to give you a good deal. Yeah. Problem Ab- is... Absolutely. Even, uh, you know, when the the, the last-generation Honda CRV, the 2016s, they were leasing those for $199 a month. With, crazy. with yeah. no money down, yeah. you know that was a, you, <laughs> you couldn't do better than that. So you have a weird, you have a weird, um, you know, conundrum because so you've got the you've got the, the leases, but then you also for the German automakers, you've got some unique um, environmental regulations in Europe that require a lot of the parts to be recyclable. Yeah. So brackets for radiators and stuff like that might be plastic instead of metal, and so you've got these vehicles that. You know, a lot, you know, a '90s BMW will last forever. An E30 and you know, three series will last forever. But if you look at the last ten years, these cars, like especially the BMWs, Mercedes, you know, Volkswagens, mm. etc. And this is something your readers should. De- yeah, I think uh, I think BMW might have been trying to. Uh, I, I, I think so. I think so. I think you're right. Hey, <laughs> what I wanted to get you back for too is uh, just real. You know, we're, we're, uh, we've been talking for 30 minutes just about, but just real quick, tell us what you've been driving that actually kind of, kind of made you smile the last couple of weeks. Anything? Yeah. So really funny back to back cars. So last week was the Silverado 2500 heavy duty, which is an awesome, awesome truck. Uh, it's got like 18,000 pounds of towing. More importantly, this week I'm driving a Subaru BRZ, which is immensely fun. Yeah, it really, it really is. I, you know, I, I know a, a Subaru owner. He's, you know, he's a young dad. He's got, he's got one kid, and I swear he would sell his kid to buy one of those. <laughs> and, well, the funny thing is, and so this is what I've heard a lot of. Um, the, the the folks at some of these dealers don't really know how to sell this car because it's it, it's a joint venture of Subaru and Toyota. So Toyota has the '86, Subaru has the BRZ. They're very much the same car. I would say the Subaru is a bit of a tighter handler. Uh, the suspension's a little stiffer, and that's for the better. Mm. Um, and what's really cool is that so, you, so you've driven a Miata. Um, you know, there's a little bit of body roll in the Miata. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that it's a performance car, it's a driver's car, but it's meant for a very broad audience. And right. the idea is, you know, the, the weekender that's just going out to the beach can have this fun car. The, the driver's driver can have this car too, and they might put on like aftermarket shocks yeah. to tighten it up. The BRZ and the, and the 86, they are targeted at the latter half mm-hmm. of the auto ownership. The people that are there with a purpose to drive. Um, it's got back seats, but they're barely usable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a coupe, not a convertible for extra body rigidity. Yep. The steering, the steering is incredibly precise. You know, I haven't driven a car with this precise steering that that wasn't named Alfa Romeo or Ferrari. Yeah, no, there it's a it's an incredible car, and you're right. And what's interesting about it is, as soon as somebody buys one, the first thing they do is go to the you know performance catalog and try to see how they can even make it better. Which I think is really what Subaru wanted when they were building that car. They wanted it. They wanted it to be a really good car right from day one, and then they wanted to make it a, available for people to do up, further upgrades to it, which is pretty cool. Right, and the, the, the only thing that everybody wants, really, though, is a turbocharger, and yep. Subaru has yet to put one on. Having said that, 
the engine bay is large enough where you can easily fit one in there. Yeah, fit two if you want. Yeah, no, uh, um, you know, I, I've, you know, I've seen, I've seen different exhaust systems because it, it could use a little bit more of a growl. I thought a little bit more exhaust would be nice. A little bit different air intake. You could do a lot of things without going full all out on it. But I, I really think, you know, as Subaru designed that car, they said, you know, we want this. We want this is an enthusiast car right out of the factory, but we also want to make it make it available for people who want to do a little bit more to it. Right. It's you know, it, I mean, it starts with that engine too. It's you know, this this Boxer engine is similar to the one that powers your Impreza and powers your Forester. You know, in cars you don't consider performance cars. But the great thing about a Boxer engine is that, and for your listeners, it's it's two banks of cylinders, basically you know, horizontally opposed mm-hmm. to each other, punching at each other like like a Porsche engine. It has a very low center of gravity. You can put these engines exceptionally low, and that gives the cars a low center of gravity, and you know, helps incredibly with the the performance dynamics. Yeah, I'm still waiting for somebody to you know take all the all the fun parts off a of STI and cram them under there somehow. So. Uh, right. Well, you know, in in Wareham, Mass, there's uh, this factory five who built their first ever homegrown performance car, and that's that's the 818. What what that car is? It's a mid-engine car, and what they've done is they've taken a WRX, removed the rear half, so it's just the the engine and the front wheel the front wheel drive part, and flipped it around and put that in the back of the car. And it's a it's a rear wheel drive mid engine car using WRX drivetrain. Yeah, and if you got nothing to do today, I think between nine and one today it's their open house. Oh, hey, how about that? How about that synergy? Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, George, we got to get going. We got to pay some bills. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Car Doctor program. You're welcome back anytime. As always, thank All you. All right, take care, George. That's George Kennedy. He, you will find him fairly regularly in the Boston Globe, uh, Car Gurus. Uh, uh, formerly with Wheels TV and Consumer Reports. Uh, he just pops up all over the place. Best Ride, uh, uh, Craig Fitzgerald uses him a lot in Best Ride. So he's all over the place. Uh, check him out. Uh, Google George Kennedy. You'll find him. He's on Twitter and Facebook as well. If you have trouble finding him, go to my Facebook page, and you'll find uh, just search for him and become his friend. He, he likes new people. We need to take a break, pay some bills. This is John Paul, the car doctor. And you're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. We have services that help our members save every step of the way, from researching and buying a new car to financing, insuring, repairing, and, of course, our world-class roadside assistance, available 24-7. The AAA auto buying program is a great tool. AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and even save an average of $3,000 on their new car purchase. We even make it easy to pay for your new car by offering low-rate financing. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA Auto Insurance protects you with excellent coverage and competitive rates. For repairs or maintenance, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. These approved shops offer discounts to members and guarantee their work for 24 months or 24,000 miles. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside 
roadside assistance is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So for everything and anything automotive, go to AAA.com slash everything auto. For over 50 years, the Conservative Book Club has guided readers to the best conservative books and authors of our time. The Conservative Book Club provides a much-needed resource for readers interested in conservative politics and conservative values. Membership is free. The Conservative Book Club wants to thank you for your commitment to conservative principles by offering the chance to win a $100 gift card from Amazon. Details at conservativebookclub.com slash boston or at wrolradio.com. Right now at all Sullivan Tire locations, it's our biggest tire sale event of the season. Thousands of popular brand name tires are on sale now. Tires to fit any size vehicle. And you can save $70 instantly on select Goodyear tires. There's no better place in New England for quality tires and top flight auto maintenance than Sullivan Tire. Hurry, this giant tire sale is only on till the end of this month. Find out more at SullivanTire.com. You won't find a better place to buy tires and we will not be beat on price. Come in today, go Sox! Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. You're listening to The Car Doctor, WROL Boston. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. If you would like to join us, phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. If you'd like to call and chat about your car or car problems or whatever the case is, um, I don't know if I have a trivia question lined up for today. We'll have to work on that still. Uh, I want to talk about the car that I drove uh, last week, and that is the 2017 BMW 530i. There are times when cars change and get better, and then there's times the redesign doesn't work. In the case of the 2017 BMW 530i, it works very well. The latest 530 is powered by a twin-turbo, two-liter, four-cylinder engine that develops 248 horsepower. Not the most powerful BMW made, but certainly more than adequate. The engine nicely matches the eight-speed automatic transmission. The performance is strong with plenty of torque, but not quite as fiery as I remember from previous 5-series cars. And again, they've gone to these uh, 2-liter turbocharged engines where BMW is always known for naturally aspirated engines, four-cylinders, straight sixes, and even V8s. The ride is comfortable with a slight compromise to handling. Uh, This is a uh, great handling car, but missing some of the telepathic steering and handling of older BMWs. So BMWs always had this sort of mysterious 
I don't know what you would call it. Sort of, they were able to do what nobody else was, and really, as the cars handled and as the they, as you drove them, you almost thought about what you needed to do when the car did it. The newer BMWs, not quite the same, um, but still good handling, good riding car. The interior is beautiful with comfortable seating. The controls are getting better, but still retain some of BMW's quirkiness, such as the shifter and into infotainment system. The shifter is kind of weird. Put a shift knob in or something. It's a little bit weird. Um, Safety is addressed with a litany of available options, such as lane keeping. We're talking with George about that. Uh, smart cruise control, automatic forward braking, surround view cameras, and parking assistant. Um, so you got all the technology you want, pretty much all the performance you want for most people, I guess. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is there are cars that handle better, ride smoother, and develop more power. But the BMW 530i puts all these qualities together in a very harmonious package. Do they give BMWs away? No. Prices tested. Now, this is as tested with a top-line stereo system that costs more than the first three cars I owned in my life. Uh, but this one, as tested, $74,180. I think the stereo system was four to $6,000, I think. Um, one of the things that's pretty amazing about this car, uh, MPG, 24 City, 34 Highway, um, I was amazed at the fuel economy it got. It was right up in the mid-30s, mostly all the time. And again, powered by a four-cylinder engine. So car that does really well, comfortable to drive, uh, just just a good car all the way around. Uh, Heritage Museum and Gardens down at Sandwich, they have uh, their event going on. Um, and I got a news release from them. It says, auto enthusiasts and families will be revved up to enjoy the Heritage Museum and Gardens annual auto show. It's held today. From 10 to 2, rain date tomorrow. It doesn't look like it's going to rain. The Heritage Annual Auto Show is a family-friendly event highlighting antique and classic automobiles, hot rods, custom cars, new this year's motorcycles in excellent or original restored condition will be there. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting event. All body styles are invited to register. Uh, the show takes place at the Heritage Parade Field where the cars are on display and can be seen up close by visitors. And we'll have the opportunity to talk to owners as well as engage in fun, family-friendly activity. Uh, the Magnolia Cafe will have a special satellite location on the parade field so you can get a snack and enjoy lunch at 2 p.m. A parade of show cars will take place. Uh, but you can, you can check it all out. Um, I got this note from Amy Dean. She's the director of marketing. She, she was on the show about a year ago, I think, talking about this very thing. Um, but this is, if you've never been to the Heritage Museum, you should go. Uh, if you're a car enthusiast, it's worth going to see because of the round barn, the uh, reproduction shaker barn that has some beautiful cars in it. Uh, and cars that, cars that are, I don't know how they keep them so nice. They're in really nice shape. And they're really working on the, the folks at the museum, the volunteers at the museum, are really working on trying to get them all driving because a lot of them haven't been driven in a long time. They're beautiful. They're polished. They're clean. There's not a cobweb to be found. But they're actually trying to make a point of trying to get them all running so they can actually be all drivable, which makes it makes it pretty unique. The last time I was there was a couple of years ago, and they actually had a theater there. And... Um, we were walking around a little bit, and um, I, I said, it looks different. There's a theater. And I said, and I wanted to show, we were there with, I was there with our next-door neighbor. And I said, yeah, there was a little plaque that used to have my name on it because I was a guest speaker here when uh, the museum's um, 
money came from a guy called uh, Eli Lilly. So the Lilly Pharmaceutical. I met Eli Lilly. He was there that night um, with his much younger wife. Um, and uh, we were there and we were chatting. It was a very nice guy. And uh, and I was saw one of the museum people and I said, yeah, you know, there was a – there was a uh, wasn't is it different now? There was like a theater, and I said, "I'm actually just trying to show off. I'm trying to show my neighbor here the plaque with my name on it." And uh, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, we did away with the theater. We're actually using this area for storage and restoration of the vehicles. You want to come and see it?" And we're like, "Yes." So they took us to where people don't get to go, where they were where they were working on some of the vehicles. So that was that was actually pretty interesting. So. Yeah, the plaque with my name is in a box somewhere at a storage unit. But uh, but check out the museum the museum down there, Heritage uh, uh, Plantation. And if you don't like cars, there's military memorabilia. There's beautiful flowers. It's a it's a it's 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 not expensive. It's fun to go to, and uh, just overall just overall just a good time. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's talk to Rick. Rick. Hey John. Hey Rick. Yeah, and I know what you mean by having a car. It may not be top of the line, but it's really fun to drive. I had an Acura that was that way. Yeah. And that, uh, but uh, yesterday, when it was raining, I was on 28. And I had a guy tailgating me so close, I couldn't even see his headlights. In the rain. In the rain. Tailgating in yeah. the rain. Now, yeah. tailgating in the dry... And this doesn't work for you if you're on your motorcycle, but tailgating in the dry. And this is not an approved method to shake off tailgaters. But I find that's a, a, an appropriate time for me to wash the windshield on my car. Uh-huh. And what happens, you turn your windshield wipers on, the water goes up over your car, hits the car behind you, and then they get, then they turn on their windshield wipers and they go around you. Well, actually, this guy couldn't go around me, and he was so close that when I came up to the intersection and I I had to make a left-hand turn and wait for traffic. He was stuck. Ah. <laughs> Did you feel bad about that? Oh, I was crying the whole time. I bet you were. I bet you were. <laughs> and uh, No, I, I do not like tailgaters. I no. don't blame you. And that. Uh, yeah. No, tailgate, you know, that was, I did a, I actually did a class yesterday in Cranston, Rhode Island, and we were talking about tailgating, and, and you know, and, and people don't realize, people do, that tailgate on a regular basis for whatever their reason is don't realize that if they ever do get in a crash and the person in front of them stops for absolutely no reason you know they just saw elvis i don't know they just they saw an alien whatever the case is they just jammed on the brakes for no reason and the person behind them runs into them it's the person following it's their fault and i know people, and i know people, but people don't realize that and they're like well they stopped for no reason and i i and i ran into them while you were following too closely and people don't realize that I actually, uh, years ago, was in the north end, and I, I was at a major intersection. It's like four or five lanes on my side of the road. Mm-hmm. And I was in the second to the outside lane, and I was going straight through. And this woman, to my right, gunned it, cut in front of me, and I hit her. Mm-hmm. I was at fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, oh, yeah. she's in the... Straight through only lane. It says straight through yep. only. Yep. She cuts in front of me, and I'm at fault. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if I would have called that one. But but on you know there, there's a sign there's a sign on a uh, 
on a uh, one of the the way station on the, on Route 84 uh, off the Mass Turnpike, and it says uh, the only one who contr- can that can control following distance is the car behind you. So you know that, and we always try to tell people, you know, you are going to be at fault, and if you're somebody who routinely tailgates either for being lazy, whatever the case is, you are going to be at fault. Yep. Well, um, I called AAA yesterday. Uh, as far as says, my wife and I are going on vacation mm-hmm. next month, and as far as renting a vehicle, and I was shocked when I talked with them to rent a vehicle at the airport started at about eleven hundred dollars for a little over a week. Wow! You renting a off? You renting a suburban? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, we're going from inside, so yep. you know she she can get it in and out easy. Yep. And um, now, off the airport, which would cost us a cab fare or mm-hmm. so to get to, yep. was $200, mm-hmm. $270. And I'm going like, whoa, what a difference. Yeah. No, it it makes sense. And even though... You know, even though Hertz is our preferred supplier with, um, you know, Hertz owns everything under the sun now. So also look at, you know, you know, Enterprise Dollar, all of them, because they're all, there's only really two car rental companies now. So, you know, shop around, shop around to get the best deal. Oh, yeah, I was shopping around in that. But, you know, just just the fact that, you know, from the same phone call on the the airport and off the airport, it was such a massive difference. It's like, whoa. Yeah. No, it absolutely makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Hey, Rick, before you go, still there? Yeah. Before you go, Karen's going to put you on hold and she's going to take down take down your uh, address. I want you, I, I got a little something to send you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now. No, you're not. You're, send me, you're sending me hate mail. No, 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 not at all. Okay? Okay, Dad. All, right, all right, stay right there, okay? Yep. All right. 617-770-3030-617-770-3030 is how you get through. I saw an article. It comes from uh, searchautoparts.com is the website, and they send me email all the time. But it says professional technicians don't generally purchase tools that do-it-yourselfers buy. The reasons uh, can include tool quality, availability of specialized tool, longevity, ease of repair, or replacement. In this case, the adage, you get what you pay for, holds true for automotive tools. The reasoning also applies to electronic tools as well. For example, a $30 digital multimeter can provide basic electrical measurement capabilities, but it's no substitute for a professional meter like the Fluke 88V that retails for $449. That being said, I have a, I think, a $20 Harbor Freight multimeter, and I have a Fluke 87, and that was, it had to be $300 plus, and... Now, certainly the accuracy of the Fluke is probably a little bit better than the $20 one, but the $20 one works pretty well, I have to admit. Um, but it's, uh, you know, same, same thing. I've talked to people who have bought other, you know, uh, kind of basic tools. And when I worked for a living instead of whatever it is I do now, um, I had an assortment of Craftsman, Snap-on, and Mac tools. And, you know, people would say, well, you know, the Craftsman ones aren't as good. I had I had good luck with both. I I have to admit. Anyway, back to back to the story here. Um, so, can you get 
a cheaper scan tool. Scan tools are no different. Do-it-yourself models range from $35 for a simple code reader to $500 for a scan tool. Professional scan tools start at about $800 and can exceed $6,000 for the most sophisticated models. And even more than that, spending $6,000 scan tool may not make economic sense for every technician. Many shops have a high-end scan tool that a bunch of people use and then other ones to use as needed depending on how big and how busy the shop is. So this goes into some of the other alternatives. And there's a website, uh, uh, Onboard Diagnostic Link website, which lists a bunch of different products. And there's uh, there's a bunch of different things. There's smartphone apps. Uh, the Android-only OBD uh, Link app was developed specifically for these adapters. It's downloaded with Google Play. Um, there's one that I have... That is a, um, it's, it's put up by the consumer version of Bosch. So Bosch, a really good quality product, but it's by the consumer version and it works pretty well. There's another one, Blue Driver. It's from Lemure Monitors. It's Lemure.com, LemureMonitors.com, L-E-M-U-R, the word monitors.com provides advanced diagnostic solutions via their Bluetooth, uh, Blue Driver platform. The Blue Driver app is designed to work exclusively with their adapter. So it plugs into the port. Um, it works from, uh, vehicles to, Oh, 1996 to mid-2000s, I guess. You just type in the vehicle identification number. The app will populate the vehicle's information fields. Um, entering the VIN number for most mid-2000 vehicles is not necessary as the app automatically recognizes it. Um, the app's well-designed with uh, two tabs, scan tool, and live data. And the live data is good because it really is telling you what's going on in real time. And... Um, they have uh, they have a lot of a lot of good little features and it's I think it's a hundred bucks maybe and then the other one the other one is the uh, the other one I've tried is the one from Bosch and it also works pretty well and for a simple code reader type scan tool if you don't want to do anything fancy you're not going to be able to turn things on and off but you are going to look at live data you are going to tell whether your car is um, necessary that are ready for uh, inspection. So it's going to have readiness monitors. So it's going to tell you whether you can go get an inspection or not. Uh, you can clear a check engine light and then recheck again to see how it's doing. So using a smartphone and some of these adapters work pretty well. Why don't we take another break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. When it comes to your car, AAA is the place for everything automotive. We have services that help our members save every step of the way, from researching and buying a new car to financing, insuring, repairing, and, of course, our world-class roadside assistance, available 24-7. The AAA Auto Buying Program is a great tool. 
AAA members receive guaranteed pricing on new and used vehicles and even save an average of $3,000 on their new car purchase. We even make it easy to pay for your new car by offering low-rate financing. Once your vehicle's on the road, AAA Auto Insurance protects you with excellent coverage and competitive rates. For repairs or maintenance, AAA has an extensive network of approved auto repair facilities. These approved shops offer discounts to members and guarantee their work for 24 months or 24,000 miles. And when you really need help on the road, AAA Roadside Assistance is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So for everything and anything automotive, go to AAA.com slash everything auto. So what would you do with an extra $500 a month in your budget? 500 bucks. This isn't hypothetical, by the way. This is something you may need to think about very soon if you decide to become a member of MediShare. MediShare is a way to pay for your health care, and typically it costs $500 less per month for a family versus other health care plans. So seriously, think about this. You could pay off loans, pay down a mortgage, save the money for retirement, donate to charity. That would be a big deal. But you know what? Here's the best thing. MediShare works. It has 250,000 members, and it's growing fast. With MediShare, not only do you save, you don't have to pay for things you don't believe in either, and that is a beautiful thing too. So here's how you can find out more, and you might actually wind up saving even more than $500 a month. So check into it. Here's the number. Call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. Now available in Montana. Call 844-41-BIBLE. If y'all listening right now, you must really like us. This is Johnny Costello from the Feast of Irish Music. Heard every Sunday from 11 to 2. Join our fan club and let us thank you for listening to us by giving you special offers. Find out what they are by joining today at WROLradio.com. The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. W-R-O-L Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to The Car Doctor program. Well, I came up with a trivia question, and it's sort of based on what we've been trying to do the last few weeks, which is uh, based on the car that I talked about during my road test, which is the BMW. And in the movie, in the James Bond movie, The World is Not Enough, James Bond drove a particular model of BMW. Convertible. We'll, we'll go there. BMW convertible. So in the movie, The World is Not Enough, there was a particular model BMW. What model was it? And if you know... You will get a prize supplied by the folks at Mechanic, which are the same people that have. And actually, it's a pretty cool light. It's a it's a magnetic light, um, really bright, uh, nice light. And uh, we will get that. We will get that to you. And 
and you'll be a winner. So the folks at Mechanic. Uh, also, I, I actually mentioned them, I think, in my Providence Journal article, uh, and kind of based, kind of based on a, based on a conversation I had with somebody about the, the jack and how it uses a urethane type wheel. So rather than a steel wheel, so it's easier on a newly painted garage floor, it doesn't break up all the paint. So the, and it's Mychanic, it's M-Y-C-H-A-N-I-C. I don't know why they, 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 they have their marketing reasons why they are doing it instead of my mechanic. Um, and it probably, probably for, for search engine optimization or something. So if you know what model BMW that James Bond drove and the world is not enough, Give us a call at 617-770-3030. Uh, we were talking with George a little bit earlier about the um, the engine oil study that uh, AAA Engineering did. And um, just to give you a little bit of the key findings, on average, synthetic oil outperformed conventional oils in conducted tests by 47%. That uh, This indicates that synthetic oil offers more engine protection than conventional oil. Individual tests results uh there's if you go to AAA.com, everything auto you should find it there uh very few vehicles specifically require synthetic oil rather most vehicle manufacturers require compliance with oil specification for a wide array of purposes drivers have a choice between conventional and synthetic uh, just make sure it meets what you supposed to use the survey of AAA approved repair facilities reveals that the average cost of a conventional oil change is 38 bucks while the synthetic is 70 this translates into uh $64 per year or $505.33 per month for the average driver to switch to synthetic oil. Um, if you do it yourself, you're looking at $28 maybe for conventional oil, 45 for synthetic, unless you're like me and you're cheap and you buy the Walmart brand of synthetic oil, which is a full synthetic, API certified, all the stuff it's supposed to be. And somebody said to me, why would you take a chance with Walmart oil? As big as Walmart is, they don't own a refinery. So they're not refining their own oil. They're buying someone else's oil. So I went over to the material safety data sheet book. Every every chemical has to be listed. And I went over and looked up the oil. And at least when I looked it up then, and it probably changes based on who's selling it to them, it was actually manufactured by Shell Rotella, Shell Rotella is a good quality oil used in uh, Europe a lot, used in trucks a lot. They're a refinery. They're refining and making their own oil. So I think I think that to me, uh, you know, so so I'm spending less than twenty dollars a jug. So for twenty dollars, I'm getting five quarts of full synthetic API SJ. J, I think. Um, um, in my, in the case of my car, five W twenty oil, and I buy a decent quality filter. And what I even try to do, I even try to buy the factory filter from the local dealership because it's actually the same price as the as the aftermarket filter. So I'm actually doing a synthetic oil change for under thirty dollars, which is which is I think pretty reasonable. And um, and again, the why did I switch to synthetic oil? I never believed in it. Uh, Junior D'Amato always tried to talk me into it. He was like, hey, you know, synthetic oil, synthetic oil, synthetic oil. It's all I use and everything. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I used to change my oil every 3,000 miles like most people did. And even though it wasn't really necessary, 
but I used to do it that often. And then the people from Royal Purple, a good quality synthetic oil, um, that and they're not refiners either. They don't. They just they're they're they don't have a refinery. They don't make they don't make it in the factory. It's all made out of dead dinosaurs. And um, well, that's what it's made out of. And then um, so I said, well, okay, this is uh, we'll put it in one of our cars and, and notice that winter weather, the car started smoother, quieter, easier. I said, hey, maybe there is something to this. So, Junior, you were right. There is something to it. Will it get you better gas mileage? No. Will it make your engine last longer? Maybe. Uh, will it, is there a benefit? All the way around. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Jim on line two. Jim? Jim? Hello. 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 Yes, Paul, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I was calling up to... I was calling up to uh, comment on the, uh, I think it was a Z3 on the BMW. It was not. No. 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 Sorry. You were wrong. I did. You were I wrong. I did change the full synthetic, too, though, so I well, uh, appreciate your talk. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Bye-bye. Let's see. Over to Mike. Mike. Morning, John. How are you? I'm tolerably well, as the custodian used to say in our school. So Tolerably um, well. I gotta, I gotta yeah. use that. I gotta use that. Yeah. It, George's famous quote. Yeah. Um, how about the BMW Z8? It, it was the BMW Z8. You are absolutely right. A car that you don't, you don't see much of or hear much of. It was a, I actually got to drive that car for a couple of days, uh, way back when, when it came out. And it was, it was a pretty fascinating car because they really tried to use a lot of old, uh, old BMW retro styling, a little skinny steering wheel, trim pieces that were real thin, uh, really just, uh, really kind of a, a little bit of a throwback car, really. And, but it was, uh, but it was something it, it was a, it was a, a fun car to drive to the point where I actually um, took it someplace and showed it to a guy who was kind of a real BMW enthusiast because I knew he would like it and he's like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever." But yeah, you don't see it, you don't see him much anymore. So, may I ask, was that the way they introduced the car as part of the movie? Uh, you know, I'm vaguely remembering some of this, but no. I, of course I could have it wrong with another BMW. Yeah, no, no, I think, that, yeah, I, yeah, I think the one they did definitely do it with. The, you know, now you got me questioning it. They did definitely do it with, with the BMW 7 Series. The redesigned 7 Series was one of those, that was a car that I think it, um, the, you know, they, they, they blew it up in the first three minutes of the movie or something, but I think that was the introduction. But it's funny how, you know, some of these cars got, you know, got introduced in some of these movies. And, you know, even to the point where, the you know, those Transformer movies, the first time some people saw the, the redesigned Camaro was in the Transformer movies. And, and the same thing with some of, some of these. There was um, the Jaguar. Um, when Jaguar came out with their, uh, with one of their models, it was used, it was used uh, exclusively in one of the James Bond movies before it actually hit the road. So you do see them every once in a while. There was a, a couple of sci-fi movies where the future cars were actually some concepts that were used and they became, you know, the, those were the first time the cars were ever shown to the public. But I don't think the Z8, I think the Z8 was out and it just sort of appealed 
to the movie people, but no, it, it wasn't the Aston Martin which James Bond should drive all the time. I don't care. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care um, which absolutely. James Bond is. May I ask you a question sure. about, um, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, the surround cameras that give you the 360 yep. view. Mm -hmm. um, in your experience, are you finding them a worthwhile option to get? You know, sometimes you have to do it as a package and things, but is it something, in your opinion, are there ones that are working better, or should you... You know, wait till they get a little bit better, like you said. The stop-start thing has gotten better yeah, in some kind, yeah, kind I, of thing. I think it's uh, the surround cameras to me seem a little bit more of a novelty right now. Um, okay. You know, and even to the point where, like, the backup cameras, as good as backup cameras are. Um, we were at an event where there was a, they were talking about how good backup cameras were, and this was on a might have been a Volvo or a Honda Accord. I don't remember quite which one it is. Um, but it's, um, but it, it was, it was, um, I forget how it went. Oh, they had, they, they took one of the employees and they had them sitting down by the corner of the bumper. And they, then whoever was behind the wheel, they said, how's the backup camera work? They said, oh, it looks really good. It's, it's, it's really helpful. And they said, okay, why don't you start to back up now and see how well you can use the camera backing up? And of course they didn't let them do it because, because just as they started to put their foot on the brake, the person popped up and the person was looking in the backup camera in the rearview mirror and said, where did she come from? Well, she was just, she was just slightly out of the view of the camera because she was so close to the back of the car. So, and the same thing, um, I was driving a car that had, uh, the all around, I think it was a BMW and I was and um, as I pulled up to a curb to parallel park, the back, the side camera came on aiming towards the edge of the curb. Well, that was a nice feature, I guess, to keep you from hitting a curb, but I don't know. It's, it, it might be. You know, the forward, the forward view cameras, you know, it gives you an idea where, you know, stuff is right in front of the car. I don't know if we need all that though, but part of those, part of the reasons they're using some of this stuff is those same systems are used for lane departure correction and warning and, and, you know, lane deviation and all that stuff. So I, you know, and the other, the other side of it is, and it just popped up recently is some of this technology is actually adding to the cost of insurance. You know, you would think that adding this technology to your car would lower insurance costs. In some cases, it's, it's, it's causing insurance costs to go up because they're concerned about the cost of repair when it breaks. I remember when the, when Audi first came out with a forward camera for their I think it was mostly used for the cruise control. A uh, guy called me and he said he, he uh, a stone hit the lens of the camera, just hit it just right and broke the camera. And he went to the dealer and the dealer said, yeah, we can replace it. It's uh, it's uh, $1,450. Wow. And, and that's wow. that's what he said. He said, uh, um, um, and... And it, and I think he had a thousand dollar deductible on his car, so he couldn't really collect it, you know, through his car insurance that much either. And he's like, he's like, that's crazy to spend that kind of money. And he said, you know, what's, where's the benefit of that? Now, since then, they actually put a piece of like, uh, Lexan or something in front of the lens. So if something hits it, it doesn't break. But you look at that kind of stuff. But like I said to an insurance person, the thing with all of this technology, whether it's, you know, whether it's, um, technology that allows you to prevent collision, you never count the crashes that didn't happen. 
So yeah, you look at the ones, well, the car still, you know, somebody ran into something. It, uh, it caused the car to crash. Um, you know, it didn't prevent the collision. But on the other one, how many times does all this technology save somebody? And nobody counts that because you don't report the ones that you just you just came away you know you just came away with your heart palpitating you know it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's like I I almost I almost hit that person but I didn't so I don't have to tell anybody about it you know so it's kind of, you know it is, it is a little bit it is a little bit confusing for people so yeah yeah well um, I I thank you again I always right. enjoy the show and I want to wish you and your family a happy Father's Day well thank you very much and we'll put you on hold and we'll get your address and we'll send you out we'll send you out that nifty light. Oh, before we go, there's somebody yes, else who wanted wanted you to repeat the custodian quote. <laughs> Tolerably well. Tolerably well. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with it. All right. Tolerably well. All right. I, I was going to say you'd have to see the set of circumstances, <laughs> and and as you're walking in, and you say, "Hi, George. How you doing?" And then that's it. That was his answer. Toler- then, Tolerably well. Oh, all right. All over you well. All That's right. That's it for the day. All right. Part of the day. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank All right. You, Stay right there. Okay. Thank you. This is an article that came out of Automotive News, and it says, Can R2-D2 change your oil? Robotics could transform the service lane, but hefty price tag may hinder progress. It says here, Imagine an oil change in a dealership service line completed in minutes and needing neither a lift or a wrench. Or a tire, or, um, a tire rotation hands-free while a service tech... Works on another vehicle. Uh, a customer needs new tires, no problem. Park the car in the bay, input some data, and watch as a highly paid service technician moves on to deal with issues that require more of his brain and less of his brawn. A mushrooming revolution in robotics is uh, a revelation that promises or estimates 85% of the um, occupation's in a broader economy could make these things not only possible, but a reality at dealer fixed operations. Robotics promised dramatic improvement over productivity, consistency, safety for the dealer, and parts operation. The technology potentially could transform the way service technicians do their jobs, and it would allow techs for the first time to use their um, their senses and minds more than their hands, but with all these potentially expensive machines. Uh, it can get expensive. New tire mounting machines, for example, can run $30,000. And I've seen uh, some tire machines that you literally just roll the tire over to the machine. It picks it up, it breaks it down, it takes it off, and then you then you tell it and it picks up a new tire. So it's pretty close. Uh, it remains a multi-billion dollar open question. Um, and, you know, time will tell how that, how that really is going to go. Uh, so, you know, the article ends up with, at auto dealerships, to see a change in operations is already in early stages and sales. Uh, some of the easy functions, inventory management and so forth, for example, have already been automated. So robots in the service department could happen. Have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. Um, the trivia question answer was a BMW Z8. Z8. It was sort of. What would you call it? Sort of BMW's answer to a Corvette convertible, maybe? Uh, it kind of, it seemed reminiscent of that, I, or, or BMW's answer to a Ferrari Daytona. Um, just had some really classic style to it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I saw our little local business here, Car Gurus. We've had the Car Gurus people on 
our program before and why I say a little local business. They're from Cambridge. And the guy who started Car Gurus also started TripAdvisor. So he um, did pretty well with that. But I started to see um, in ads on TV for Car Gurus. So interesting to see that kind of stuff popping up. And uh, why don't we talk to John? Good morning. Yeah, hi. Good morning, John. Yeah, a few weeks ago I was on hold with you, and then I was going down Western Avenue near uh, Austin, and there's no phone service. just got cut out. I heard you say, well, something must have happened. That's what happened. That's anyway, what happened. I thought, you had, I, I thought you had said you were interested in a 76 Eldorado convertible. Uh, well, interested, interested in how I'm interested in everything I can't afford or own. Well, but I know it was one for sale. It's been sitting on a car lot for a while now. And, uh, oh, okay. No, I I always thought for for a kind of a classic car and 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 why I kind of remember that car the '76 Eldo convertible that was the last year of that car they didn't make a bunch of them um, and it was sort of that was the end of the convertible that's where that's where you know in the United States because of roof crushing and all that sort of stuff rollover protection that was that was sort of the last convertible that was being made and it sort of uh, um, you know, so it kind of just brings back a time where I said, "Oh, that's that was an interesting year." It may have also been the year I got married. It might have been. It might have been. Oh, I'm not. Right. I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure, but it might have been the same year. And but I, I just, I, I just remember, I just remember that car, and uh, and I always said, you know, if you were looking for big, and and they were huge, um, yeah, big big convertible, kind of comfortable to drive, front wheel drive made it different. Perfectly flat floor inside of it because there was no drive shaft, no drive shaft tunnel. Um, huge back seat. Uh, looked good with the top up or the top down. I always thought it was. I always thought it was a, a, a nice looking car, and and it falls into that list of things that you know I'll probably never own. That one, you know, I always liked the uh, the the sixty three four five T Bird convertibles. I like those too. Um, there's a whole bunch of cars I like that I'll, that I'll never own, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'm buying that one either. But thanks, though. Oh, all right. So what what you know? What would, I've been looking at it going by on the bus, of, you know, yeah. Boston, yeah, on the lot. No, what would be better if you bought it and then you just let me drive it once in a while? <laughs> I like that idea too because I remember looking at it in high school. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah, and you know, and if you're going to buy that for me, if you could buy a boat too. Yeah, because yeah, why would they be worried about that car rolling over? The thing was so big. How could it roll over? Yeah, you know they still worry about that sort of stuff. So yeah, we're gonna have the totally flat floors for front wheel drive. I mean, I, I don't know why we can't have that again. I know, I know. It was, it, it was, you know, and part of part of you know today's cars they have to reinforce it with. Um, you know that bump in the floor actually adds to some stability of the the body, so that's how they that's kind of how they do that. But um, but yeah, I just like the idea. You you open the door and look in. The floor was perfectly flat all the way across, and you go, "Wow, that's unusual." And and the car was you know you look at one of those cars, especially one that is you know the you know white with a white top and the red interior or something like they were they were just they were just made to be in a parade. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm going to take a nap on that floor. Yeah, exactly. One of those, yeah. All right. All right. Nice talking to you. We got to oh, take. A, we got to. We got to take a break, though. Okay. All right. Thank you. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. If you're on hold, stay right there. We will with, be with you in about three minutes. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program.
family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. If you're listening right now, you must like us. This is John Paul, the car doctor, heard every Saturday from 8.30 to 10 a.m. Join our fan club and let us thank you for listening to us by giving you special offers. Find out what they are by joining today at WROLradio.com. AM 950 WROL Boston, home of the Irish Hit Parade, Saturdays 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. In the service of Salem Media Group. Right now at all Sullivan Tire locations, it's our biggest tire sale event of the season. Thousands of popular brand name tires are on sale now. Tires to fit any size vehicle. And you can save $70 instantly on select Goodyear tires. There's no better place in New England for quality tires and top flight auto maintenance than Sullivan Tire. Hurry, this giant tire sale is only on till the end of this month. Find out more at SullivanTire.com. You won't find a better place to buy tires and we will not be beat on price. Come in today, go Sox! Salem Media Group Boston is happy to announce Eliza Morgan is going to be the keynote speaker at our 6th annual Women in Ministry Brunch. Eliza is a co-host of the syndicated radio program Discover the Word, heard daily on AM 590 WEZE. I'm looking forward to this group of women coming from all over different cities, coming together with regular life challenges and then some really biggies as well and discovering who God is in them. Women of God, won't you please join us for an annual Women in Ministry Brunch held on Thursday, June 22nd at Lombardo's, 6 Billing Street in Randolph, Massachusetts. Doors will open promptly at 10 a.m. This is a free event and surely to sell out fast. Last year, over 600 women came to this great event. Don't be left out. To reserve your seat at this great event, go to one of our websites, am590theword.com, wrolradio.com. AM1260thebuzz.com or RadioLooseBoston.com. Click on the Women in Ministry banner to register. WROL Boston. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Remember, if you're down the Cape, go check out the Heritage Plantation Car Show that's today. Uh, certainly worth taking a look at and seeing what that's all about. And remember, July 9th, the Bay State Antique Auto Club uh, at the uh, Endicott Estate. You can check that out. That's right on East Street in Dedham. Um, go check it out. Sponsored by Dedham Savings. So July 9th. And let's talk to Jim. 
Hey, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. I had a question. I uh, bought a uh, 01 Corvette V06. Okay. And it has this clicking noise coming from the rear end as you start off slowly, either forward or backwards. And I haven't been able to determine what it was. I wonder if you had any uh, idea. Um. Now it's does it does it still click when you uh, step on the brake? No, it's really when you move the car forward or backwards with the engine back and forth. You can hear this clicking noise. You know, I, I thought it was maybe the uh, uh, links on the. Uh, Stabilizer, I changed them. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't a Corvette, I'd say it might have been a uh, like a U joint noise, right. but I don't really know what's back there on those yeah. cars. I mean, it could be. Um, mm. It could be. Uh, and why I why I asked um, is if you're stepping on the brake and you're still, you know, so in other words, you're just barely breathing on the gas pedal, going front back and forth and you're stepping Correct. on the brake, now all of a sudden you've started to hold parts up. So now you've kept the brake pads from moving. You've caused uh, you've ca- you're putting some you're putting some um uh stress on the on the uh on the half shaft so you're looking at things that could stop moving because you're putting pressure on it. So that you know I I would be looking for where in in the half shafts, I'd be looking to see if pads are moving back and forth, um, something along those lines. You said this is a 01? 01-06. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't try with the brakes on. It's mostly just as you're putting a load on it, going backwards or forwards. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're going slow, you can hear it. It might happen when you're going faster, but you can't hear it. Yeah, there, there's... Um, I was looking real quick to see if they put out any kind of technical service bulletins. Um, there's a bunch of stuff about um, drive axle CV joint replacement and uh, seal issues. There's also um, a thrust washer or something back there that that can looks like it can make some noise. Um, so uh, there's also let's see, no. no. Yeah, no, it's mostly it mostly looks like it could be related to one of the one of the uh, CV joints back there. So, certainly worth, you know, that's maybe maybe the area you want to take a look at. And then it could be just a matter of, you know, get, you know, get the rear wheels, you know, up in the air somewhere where somebody can look at it, turn it, listen, see what the noise is and then kind of go kind of go from there. Uh, but it, you know, that's 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 what pops up you know, first thing for technical service bulletins. That that's kind of the direction I was leaning. Like I said, the only other thing that I was thinking about was um, many miles on this. Uh, Thirty-seven thousand. Yeah, so no miles on it. You know, it could yeah. it, could it be a you know uh, um, could it be a could it be a disc brake pad in the back walking back and forth up and down making a little clicking noise? Sure. Is it how you know from a scale of ten being a loud noise and you know, zero being no noise. Where would you put it noise-wise? It's uh, in the three to five range. Three to five really, range, okay. Really, yeah, so some noise. Yeah. I'd like to think it was brakes, but yeah, I, I wonder if you or your uh, listeners knew of a someone who specialized in these type of cars rather than just going to the regular shop because yeah. it's kind of odd. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is, you know, where it's a Z06 is a little bit odd. I, you know, um, 
there there certainly are people that work on you know performance cars and you know I would you know and, and I, I bring his name up a lot you know Junior Damato he's got a he's his main shops in Hyde Park uh, he's owned several of those over the years oh. so you know I'd I'd give him a call okay yeah uh, also uh, tomorrow's Corvette Day at Lazy Anderson oh there you go. There you go. So there you, go. You, you never know. You know, even that would be worth going to just to see. You know where people are bringing their cars to be serviced. That's one of the reasons I'm yeah. going. Thanks. Yeah, but like I said, you know, I, um, I hate to give out his phone number with six one seven three six four nine seven seven three. I think, or else you're going to get like my cousin Wilmer or somebody. But six one seven three six four nine seven seven three. I think is is uh, Junior's shop in Hyde Park. Great. Thanks okay. All right. Take care. Bye bye. I think, or my cousin Wilma. I don't really have a cousin Wilma, but hey, we're just about out of time, and there's Paul Sullivan right there. I'm right looking there. up uh, Junior's Automotive because it's right in Clary Square, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, right on River Street, yeah. High Park, right outside the square. Okay, right by, right over the T Tunnel. My um, we oh, were talking hold. about we were talking about BMW i Series cars. There's an i3 just pulled in the parking lot. Oh, look at that. Yeah. What'd you say the number was? Uh, 617-364-9773. 364-9773 is absolutely right. It is not your cousin. And I have no idea why I remember that. Yeah, but you do. It could be the universal joint. Universal joint on drive shaft, which is a CV joint, which is the same thing. So I want to appreciate uh, appreciate the fact that you have my favorite actor on the show earlier, George Kennedy. George Kennedy, yes, yes, he he is quite the actor. Yes. Hey, my favorite scene in any movie is the scene where um, it's in one of the Naked Gun movies, and Ricardo Montalban is the villain, and he falls off the top uh, edge of a stadium, falls down into the parking lot, which you know is Mm two hundred people low, and then he gets run over by a steamroller, and George Kennedy looks down and goes. He's crying, and, and Drebin says, "Why are you crying?" Because my father went the same way. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, line. best line. Well, it's nice to hear George. So he's a nice yeah, guy too. George, this, George. Yes, George Kennedy's a nice guy yeah. too, and and apparently a Led Zeppelin fan because his uh, Twitter is like Led Zepp George or something like that. So. Yep. Um, hey, I heard I heard it's your birthday. My birthday. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm, call it. I am eligible officially for Social Security today. So how's that feel? It's a good day. How's that feel? I, I don't know. Good, I guess. I, I, I for, <laughs> for me, for me, it made me feel like, huh. Yeah, me too. I could tell my boss off. Yeah. But you are the boss, so yeah. it's harder for you to do. I but, figured it out. I can get fifty-eight yeah. dollars a month. I think. There, there you I go. go there you go. You have to live a little simpler. Yeah, yeah. I could do that. Yeah, you, you know, the fried bologna sandwiches you get at uh, that uh, At Toby Keith. Yeah, yeah. Toby yeah. Keith. You got to make your own. I know. I, yeah. do, I think I could do that. <laughs> Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank All you, right. guys. Hey, we got to go. The very best in Irish music with the now Social Security eligible Paul Sullivan. Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> Welcome to the 62nd floor of life. Uh, coming up next. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. I'd gladly walk across the desert With no shoes upon my feet To share with you the last bite of bread I had to eat I would swim out to say